Hello, this is Sam with the Archangels of Justice, and I want to bring you another episode on self-defense. It's been a little while since I had posted the last one. Um, as you all know, you know we lost Ira, and of course there's a credible amount of work to be done um, singly by me now, and I'm trying to get caught up with a lot of these cases. Um, let's get back to self-defense. So I left off talking about firearms. And as I had mentioned in that particular podcast that, you know, there's a lot of people are afraid of guns. Uh, they don't want to have a gun. But I, I want you to reconsider the use of a firearm for your self-defense. There are some non-lethal types of weapons that are available for people. But I want you to remember that when armed with lethal force, you hold the holy grail, so to speak, especially if you're facing multiple attackers or facing someone or more than one person who's also armed with a lethal weapon. If police officers encounter someone armed with a lethal weapon. They do, they do not go for their taser. They do not go for their pepper spray. They automatically resort to their lethal weapon. You have to meet force with force or fire with fire. Um, so with that being said, and I know I touched on a lot of this during the firearms episode, picking the particular weapon that is what is comfortable for you to carry, comfortable for you to shoot, and your ability to shoot it accurately, and that the firearm itself is very reliable. In other words, doesn't jam up and things like this. Um, and that will come from you going to gun ranges, getting the proper training from a trainer, um, and not some backyard stuff where, you know, this is some person that's doing the training that He's only shot paper targets a whole life and, and never encountered any violent encounters because you're not going to get the right kind of training um, if you do that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with learning how to get the basics down that way, but to get actual training in firearms, to use it in a deadly force encounter requires a significantly more um, training to get to that point that you're competent with that firearm. I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, use of the different types of calibers again. I know we mentioned, you know, bigger calibers, smaller calibers, you know, the one versus this and versus that. Um, when we're talking out on the street um, and, and, more, and even in your car, um, you're going to be wound up more than likely with a handgun. It's very difficult to, to carry around shotguns, you know, on your person or in your car for self-defense. So a caliber that's substantial enough to defend yourself in a life-threatening situation is always important. I mentioned before the minimum caliber would be a 38 or a 9 millimeter, with usually the maximum being a 45 caliber. Um, and of course there's stuff that's more powerful, but when you're talking more powerful, you're talking bigger guns and harder to conceal so and harder to shoot. So let's keep this in the reality. 
you know, the, the old adage of um, revolver versus the auto, automatic pistol or the semi-automatic pistol. Those are a matter of personal choice. They're all very reliable and they're all very accurate. So what you're comfortable with and what you shoot well with is the one you go with. The I did, I did talk a little bit about ammunition types, uh, full metal jacket versus hollow points. Stay away from full metal jacket bullets for self-defense shoes. They are, they will penetrate, they will kill, don't get me wrong. The problem with them is, is over-penetration. And when I say over-penetration, I mean they will penetrate the person you shot and probably exit that person's body and possibly hit an innocent bystander. So that's something you don't want to use in public settings. The military uses them because they're in a war zone. Let's face it. They don't have to worry about over-penetration. In the house, we discussed a little bit about weaponry and how ammunition can go through walls. It's extremely important to remember that by choosing the proper ammunition, you, you're trying to protect your home, but you're also trying to protect your loved ones from accidentally being shot by a projectile that you discharged from a firearm that went through a wall. So it's very important to have a plan in place in your home where if intruders enter your home, where are your loved ones? Are you able to discharge your firearm safely without hitting a loved one? These are things you need to think about, the way you arrange your house, where, where people are sleeping. Um, if you have advanced warning of people trying to break in, gather up your children or loved ones <clears throat> into a single room and get them barricaded in that room and get them behind a bed, a mattress or something where, you know, somebody's on the phone calling 911 while, you know, you or the other person that is handling the firearm has the door covered uh, that this intruder is probably going to enter through. If you can avoid trying to hunt down someone in your house, it's much better to barricade yourself in a safe spot. You know, bathrooms are relatively a pretty safe spot because of the tile and things like that, but they're usually kind of small. Uh, bedrooms are a little better because of the bed, you know, that you can actually will absorb some bullets if, if the person does and is able to get a couple shots at people that are hiding behind the bed. Not a guarantee, but it's something. <clears throat> you have to remember that in deadly force encounters, they're very fast. They're very dynamic. You know, there's, there's no time sometimes <clears throat> to try to get these perfect aiming pictures that you first learn when you're learning how to shoot a gun. Um, it's, it's called instinctive shooting today. Uh, actually, it was um, put into place during World War II. Um, by a, uh, a British um, special air services um, officer by the name of Fairbank who um, taught his people how to shoot instinctively and shoot into the body wherever you can hit the body just to get bullets in it to stop the threat. And it works. You have to hit your target in order to stop your target. People have different pain thresholds. 
And, you know, sometimes one bullet doesn't stop the attack. You know, we've heard all these cases of why did the police shoot this guy seven times or ten times? Well, you know, when they get down to it, some of the bullets that impact these people are grazing bullets. In other words, they barely, barely touch the skin and obviously not going to slow someone down that way. So, you know, when, when the newspaper hypes up this stuff, don't, don't buy into every story. I mean, if a person was shot 15 times in the chest, then, you know, all 15 rounds would have been fatal. Then you might say it was overkill. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is some people just don't stop. They may be high on drugs or alcohol or some other something else that causes them not to feel the pain that's, that you know, imparted by a bullet passing into the body and causing them to stop. So at the end of the day, you shoot until your threat is over. Once that threat's over, then you stop shooting. This is something to consider. This is something to think about at all times when defending people and your loved ones in your home or yourself out on the street is what is going to stop a threat. Most of the time it's multiple shots until the person's down. <clears throat> Non-lethal stuff like the tasers and pepper spray are, are good tools. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day here, when we're talking self-defense in a life-threatening situation, probably the only thing that's going to get you out of that trouble is going to be a, some type of firearm. The um, pepper spray versus the taser, that in itself, you know, people go back and forth over that. I'm more supportive of the use of the pepper spray, pepper gel, over the taser for the simple reason that the taser does not function like they show you on television where you shoot somebody with it and if you hit them, they fall to the ground and they stay there for minutes. That's not what happens. They, they, they ride the, the pulse of the electricity for about five seconds until you can put handcuffs on them or something like that. Well, I don't recommend that. <laughs> that you try to put handcuffs on an assailant that you just put down for five seconds. Um, so, and then expensive tasers, it's a lot of times way out of reach. They're thousand dollars or more and you only get one shot with that taser. And then when you've shot that shot, you have to reload it again. And under a stressful situation, you may not be able to get it loaded again in time. Pepper spray, even in the smallest cans, gives you at least 10 to 12 shots of spray. So... But back to that again, you know, when you make a choice. So if, if you would arm yourself with two things, one would be pepper spray, the other one would be with firearms. As I had mentioned before, in the home, you want to have various weaponry available to you. Having some pepper spray around the house, different locations that are safely placed where children can't get to them. Um, firearms, the same way. Because uh, one firearm may not be enough. You may have it in your bedroom and your, the attack occurs in the living room and you ain't going to make it to the bedroom. So these are things to consider, you know, and what very important is, is keeping people out of your house is what's is extremely important. So we're talking about home defense today. And, and that is, you know, making sure your doors are locked, your windows are locked. If you have an alarm, have it set. If you have a dog and it barks, listen to it. 
pay attention to what the dog's doing. Most people know when their dog's barking that someone's at the door or it's just barking at noise. Dogs communicate a little differently from dog to dog, but pay attention to the dog. See what it's, see what it's telling you. Don't open a door to someone you don't know, ever. I mean, you know, this is, once you open that door, they've got a way in. So remember, if you're going to protect your family, use the steps and take the steps that are necessary to protect your family. You know, there's been many ruses used to gain entry into a home. You know, a petite young woman knocking on the door, only to be followed up by a bunch of brutes that come crashing in the door behind her after you get the door opened for her. Keep these things in mind. You know, if you can afford it, have some cameras up around your house that you could view what's outside, what's what's around that dark corner that you can't see from a window or people. You know, you have to think about these things today. We live in a violent society, and this is worldwide, not just in the United States. There's crimes happen everywhere. So if people want people to think that, oh, it only happens in America, that's nonsense. That's, it's, that's so far from the truth, it's ridiculous. America has as safe, if not safer cities than any other country in the world. You know, the biggest problems in America are some of our, our deepest urban cities, you know, where we have nothing but really, really, really ghettoish type areas where people are not making any money and the, the crime is rampant in those areas or the laws are so ridiculously insignificant that, you know, people just get away with crime. But at the end of the day, anybody can become a victim of a crime. I don't care if you live in a gated community or if you live in a city. I've said this before. I've worked cases of where murders were committed in, in millionaire homes. So no one's immune to crime. <clears throat> and in order to be protected, you have to take the matters into your own hands and train yourself, train your loved ones take this seriously. Just don't think it won't happen to me because it can and it will. At some point, someone you know will be the victim of a crime. I pretty much know anybody I've ever asked that someone that they knew was a victim of a crime, if not they themselves. So keep these things in mind. You know, no one's immune to criminal acts. And you have to protect yourself because I mentioned before, the police cannot be there every day hovering over you like a guardian angel. You know, when you look at the amount of people on a police force versus the amount of people living in a city, it's, it's, it's like probably one cop to a thousand. How are they going to be there for every person that needs help when they need it the most? It's impossible. Don't get sold on this whole thing that, oh, you, know, you can police and an alarm and all this other things are going to protect you. No, that's not. An alarm is an early warning defense. The police is a good five to 20 minute response. That's not near close enough, fast enough to protect you. Okay. Locked doors, good windows with good locks on the doors and windows and an alarm system are deterrents. If someone wants in, they will break in. But those are deterrents. They slow people down. The barking dog, the alarm screaming, those are deterrents. They are not life-saving tools. Life-saving tools are pepper spray and firearms. 
and your ability to use them when the chips are down. I'm going to end this episode today of home defense, and we're going to pick this one up again. I'm going to get into a little more detail in the next one, but I like to keep these episodes shorter because people need time to listen to them, and that, of course, takes time. As I end this, I also want to, again, remind you, if you haven't heard, about the book I wrote about how not to be a prime crime victim. It's chock full of information for $3.99 or $4.99, rather, on Amazon. It's in Kindle format right now, and it's worth it to buy it so you can read it at your leisure and take the time to set up your plan of action to keep yourself and your loved ones protected. In the meantime, goodbye and be safe out there.